Welcome to the Season 1 finale of Wild Speculation, a speculative fiction anthology podcast. I'm Andrew Rising, your guide on this journey through the strange, remarkable, and sometimes disturbing worlds of speculative fiction. This final stop on our journey will be to the world of vampires, with a non-traditional look at the lives of these immortal monsters. So sit back, make sure your neck is thoroughly covered, and enjoy. Confessions of the Immortal Sylvanus Life once lived becomes a story. It is a story we tell others, and ourselves. Occasionally, our story is what actually happened, or a near approximation of it. But usually, it is a complex web of truth and lies, a vain attempt to make sense of a senseless world, a shield to protect us from our past. For this account, I will do my best to strip away the lies and recall what happened as accurately as I can, painful though that will be. Still, I cannot promise that the account will be without falsehood or embellishment. After all, to err is human, as am I, mostly. I hope you will take the path of the divine and forgive me, as I cannot forgive myself. Eight hundred years ago, I reached a turning point. I looked upon the evil that I and my brethren had wrought in the centuries since we were cursed with immortality by that Celtic witch. I vowed then that I would not live by that baser nature the immortality had thrust upon me. Instead, I would defend the world from my former brothers-in-arms. Centuries later, it was in pursuit of that goal that I found myself in a small provincial capital in Eastern Europe. I had tracked the immortal Lucius there, determined to hunt him down. Still, I did not see what harm he could do so far from the centers of power, so I decided to take my time and enjoy this beautiful city. That was a huge mistake and it would lead me to make three more mistakes, and ultimately, the decision I regret more than any other. I was riding in a tram car, trying to look the part of a visitor from out of town. Of course, I was a visitor from out of town, but I was trying not to be obvious about the fact that I was also hunting my quarry. As I watched the people moving in and out of a synagogue across the river, I was so focused on my search that at first I didn't notice the woman behind me. All I heard was a vague babbling in a language I didn't understand, until she switched to heavily accented Hungarian. Excuse me, sir, may I sit here? I turned to see a young woman of maybe thirty, with long, dark hair gesturing to the seat beside me, where my bag currently sat. Oh, um, yes, of course. Let me just... I bent to put my bag on the floor in front of me, and as I did, the tram lurched, and the woman, who had started to sit down, fell against me. Oh dear, I'm sorry, I'm so... nyspreten, um... She pulled away from me and sat down, flashing me an apologetic smile. No, no, it's my fault. I wasn't paying attention. She seemed to relax at my comment, and I had a thought. Excuse me, miss. Have you lived in the city long? Ever since I was little? Why? I've never been here before, 
and I would love to know a local's take on what I absolutely shouldn't miss while I'm here. If I could get an idea what was important in the city, I might find some clue about Lucius. Her striking green eyes sparkled as they met mine. Oh, but there is just so much in the city. The churches and mosques, the synagogue, the town hall, everything in and around the Basharsia. Too many things to list off for you. Oh, I have a great memory. I'll manage. She shook her head. You miss something even if you see everything, going alone without a guide. So we make an agreement. I am free for rest of the afternoon. I introduce you to the beautiful city, and you buy me dinner as an apology for making me fall. Is this agreeable? Oh, and my name is Theodora. You may call me T. She offered me her hand. I have been alive for over two thousand years. You would think that by now I would be immune to the failings of mere mortals. And for the most part, I am. Two thousand years is a long time to practice mastering your feelings. But one feeling that only grows when you're an immortal is loneliness. So pleasant companionship, offered freely, is like a drug. This beautiful woman was offering me the equivalent of a trip to the opium den. And you can call me Silvio. Your suggestion sounds wonderful, T. I could still search for Lucius as we toured the city. And even if I didn't, losing one afternoon to this woman's company wouldn't hurt anything. Or so I told myself. I took her hand and kissed it lightly. I was surprised by how strong and rough it was. What should we see first? Her eyes sparkled all the more. Let's go explore the bazaar. After a pleasant afternoon exploring the shops and buildings of the bazaar, and a delicious dinner at the foot of the Seville Fountain, after half a day of completely ignoring my mission, I offered to walk Teodora home. But where do you stay in the city, Urim Silvio? she asked. At the Hotel Evropa. Really? Oh, it is so beautiful. But I've never been inside. Please take me to see it. I hesitated for a moment. I had intended to resume my search for Lucius after I walked her home, but the temptation was too compelling. Oh, certainly. There's a little cafe there that serves tea and some delicious little cakes. I can think of no better way to cap off this truly lovely day. Surely I could still manage to go hunting tonight, I thought. Really? You can't think of any better way? She pulled herself tighter against me, and at first I thought she had caught a chill despite the warm summer evening. But when I looked down into her dazzling green eyes, there was an invitation in them, and it awakened desire in me. Dear reader, this was the first mistake I made. I had wasted the afternoon already, but if I had resumed my hunt then, I could have discovered and impeded Lucius's plans for the next day. Instead, I accepted Theodora's invitation to more. We bought tea and cakes, then took them up to my room. Neither of us left that room again until the next morning. After spending the night thoroughly distracted from my goal, I went down to the little tea shop to get breakfast for the two of us. While waiting to place my order, I marveled at how happy I was. In my relentless quest to track down and destroy other immortals, men who had once been my friends, 
I rarely stopped long enough to enjoy life. This time with Theodora had been a much-needed respite. I couldn't help but wonder if I could make it into more than a respite. Perhaps, someday, after I finished off Lucius, I could even settle down in this beautiful little city for a time. Settle down with her. Then, I glanced at the newspaper on the table next to me. The headline read, Archduke Ferdinand to meet with Bosnian officials at Sarajevo Town Hall. Immediately, I understood why Lucius was here in this little provincial capital. He was going after the Archduke while he was away from the security of Vienna. I quickly skimmed the article and saw that the Archduke was scheduled to make a public address, followed by meetings with the Bosnian governor, the mayor of Sarajevo, and other local officials. Glancing at the clock in the shop's corner, I realized the public address was supposed to have already begun, five minutes ago. All thoughts of Teodora fleeing my mind, I ran from the hotel. First, to the Milyatska River, then along the Appel Quay to the town hall. I could only hope that Lucius hadn't targeted the Archduke on his way to the town hall when he was most exposed, scant hope though it was. That didn't stop me from sprinting the full kilometer to the town hall. People watched me as I ran, dodging between cars and pedestrians, so I dared not run at my full speed. After all, if he was dead already, then a full-out run from me would create a spectacle for nothing. When I arrived, the address was over, and the crowd was already dispersing, but there was a tension in the air. From the excited conversations around me, I gathered the Archduke had arrived safely, but it had been a near miss. Assassins had tried to kill him on his way from the train station. So I wasn't too late. And here, dear reader, is my second mistake. I was so focused on getting to the knot of officials still on the dais, losing precious minutes pushing against the flow of the crowd, that I didn't even see the Archduke depart. By the time I forced my way to the dais, he was already moving back to his motorcade. Glancing around in alarm, I caught sight of him leaving, right down the very street that had been my path here. He was going back into the city. Lucius would get another chance. Again, I shoved people out of my way, running this time, caring nothing for propriety. I just had to reach the Archduke before Lucius realized his itinerary had changed. And really, What were the chances that Lucius or one of his accomplices would happen to be lingering along the path of Ferdinand's impromptu trip? This time, I did not hold back as I ran. I bounded over cars and outpaced the tram moving beside me. The gasps and exclamations surrounded me, but I only cared about reaching the Archduke in time. I was a little over a block behind them, and gaining, when they suddenly turned onto a side street. Before I could catch up, I heard the first shot. Heart-pounding, I hurled myself forward with every ounce of strength I had, barely noticing or caring when I knocked a cart of vegetables into the river in my haste. I turned the corner just in time to see the second shot hit Ferdinand's wife, Sophia. The Archduke cradled her in his arms and tried to comfort her until he succumbed to his own wound. Most of the bystanders were fleeing in panic, but several tackled the young gunman to the ground before he could take his own life. 
The car then sped away in the direction of the hospital, the slumped forms of Ferdinand and Sophia in the back seat. I was too late. I had been distracted, and now the heir to the empire was dead, or soon would be. I turned away. A few men were pushing a barge away from the riverbank, and on it stood Lucius. He was looking up at me, a wolfish grin on his face, as if daring me to come after him. I knew better than that. He was ready for me, and I would be no use to anyone dead. No, my focus now needed to be thwarting his plan, trying to keep this assassination from causing the chaos Lucius was trying to unleash. Here, dear reader, is where I made my third and final mistake, the one that guaranteed my failure and Lucius's success. I should have run straight to the station and boarded the first train to Vienna. If the Emperor could have heard the news from my lips, there would have been a chance at preventing war. But instead, I went back to the hotel. I wanted to warn Theodora that she might be in danger. If she had been seen with me, Lucius would target her next. I didn't know when the next train left for Vienna, but I was pretty sure I could fit in a short trip to the hotel. And so I ran, not to the train station, but back to the Hotel Europa. Back to Teodora. I took the stairs two at a time up to my room, hoping that she was still there, safely asleep, as I had left her half an hour before. Afraid she would be gone, or worse, dead already. I did not expect to find her standing in the middle of the room, aiming a pistol at me. Theodora, are you all right? I asked, confused. Why do you have a gun? Has anyone... She shot me. So did the other five people in the room. As I sank to my knees, they all lowered their weapons. Time seemed to stretch as I realized a few things. First, that the people who had shot me had been sent by Lucius, including T. Second, that he hadn't told them what I was. If he had, they would not have risked lowering their weapons before spending every last bullet, which means he had known they would likely die if I came back here. And now, they would. I lunged forward, grabbing T by the neck before any of them could move. As I glared down into her eyes, I felt the agony of betrayal. I had put aside my mission for her, considered building a life with her, and she'd been working for Lucius the whole time. Then I saw the fear and determination in her eyes, and for a strange moment, I felt only pity. Still, a war is a war, and it makes monsters of us all. It had made a monster of her. Unfortunately for these pawns of Lucius, none of them could equal the monster inside me, the monster that was me. I gripped Theodora's windpipe and ripped it from her neck. Warm blood sprayed over my face, and I could taste it on my lips. That threw me into a frenzy. She gurgled and gasped, her hands trying to hold closed her torn neck as I picked her up and threw her at the three gunmen to my right. The two on my left shot me again as I turned towards them, both hitting me in the chest. Too late. Any chance they had was gone. 
Two bullets couldn't stop my lunge as I slammed both men to the ground, snapping the neck of one, then using the body of the other as a shield against the volley from the other side of the room. The three living gunmen, terrified now, continued firing until they were out of bullets. Their shots riddled their compatriot full of holes, but unfortunately for them, they had only managed to graze me a couple of times before their clips were spent. I was drenched in the blood of my human shield, and the smell of it filled my lungs. This awakened something in me as I picked up the guns of the two men at my feet and shot two of the remaining gunmen in the head. Their blood and brains spattered beautifully on the wall behind them. Before I could target the third, he shot me. In all the commotion, I had lost track of Theodora's gun, but he had pried it from her limp hand. As I hesitated... He shot me again, but before he could fire a third time, I shot him with both of my guns. As he fell, I emptied both clips into him, watching the blood fly from each fresh bullet hole. It was only after I'd fired every bullet that I even noticed the pain and weakness I felt. My legs gave out, and I sank to the floor. I fought to stay conscious as my vision began to dim. Without the cursed elixir that provided me strength... This would be the end of me. I crawled to the nearest gunman and drained him, drinking greedily. He'd lost a lot of blood to his friend's bullets, though, so there wasn't much left in him. Next was the man whose neck I broke. He hadn't lost any blood, so there was a lot more to drink. But even after I had sucked him dry, I could still feel myself slipping away. I crawled across the room and drained the other three gunmen. It still wasn't enough. My wounds were so bad, no amount of blood from corpses could sustain me. I needed lifeblood. (laughs) I turned to see Theodora sprawled across the floor, her face turning blue as she desperately tried to catch her breath, her hands still clutching her neck. As I dragged myself to where she lay, I thought back on the mistakes I'd made in the past 24 hours. If I had done any of those things differently, not only would Lucius's plans have been thwarted, but this woman would not be gasping her life out on the floor, smashed between two immortals locked in battle. But there I was, looking down into those eyes that had so enchanted me, eyes that now held only pain and terror. I knew that if I called for help, she would probably die anyway. I knew that I needed lifeblood to survive. And so, I made the deliberate choice to continue my unnaturally long life at the cost of ending hers. I justified it to myself. After all, who but I had any real chance of ending Lucius and the other two immortals still loose in the world? By taking her life to save my own, when she had attacked me first, could I not potentially save thousands or even millions of others. But the truth is, I just didn't want to die. I would have come up with a reason to do this, regardless of the circumstances. And so I did that which I had sworn never to do again, seven hundred years before. I drained a person of their lifeblood for my own preservation. I gave in completely to the monster inside me. And Theodora, The woman who had tricked and betrayed me. The woman who had given me twelve hours of unalloyed happiness. 
died in my arms, my teeth buried in her neck. It took me over a year to fully recover from my wounds. By then, the Great War was raging. I couldn't put it back in the bottle. It was decades before I caught up to Lucius again, but this time, I did not make mistakes. He is dead, along with all the other immortals cursed with us by that witch so long ago. As I write this, I am the only one left, but I cannot stop with my brethren. What I did to Teodoro revealed to me that the monster I thought dead and buried still lurks within me, just beneath the surface, waiting for a chance to break free. I cannot save the world from the evils of the immortals unless I also save it from me. And so, by the time you read this, there will be no immortals left, and justice will finally have been served for Teodora. Whoever you are, dear reader, I hope that you and the rest of humanity can make something better of society now that our corrupting influence is no longer tipping the scales. Good luck. This has been Confessions of the Immortal Silvanus. I hope you have enjoyed it and all of the stories in this first season of Wild Speculation. Season 2 will air sometime next year, so follow Wild Speculation on Facebook and Twitter for updates, as well as for other projects I'm working on. Before we go, I have a few people I would like to thank. First, I'd like to thank Rebecca Bratton-Weiss, my wonderful editor, without whom these stories would have been a pale reflection of what they turned out to be. Next, I'd like to thank Andy Hagg for his wonderful work on the Wild Speculation logo. I would also like to thank my sister, Monica Brooks, for the beautiful painting that serves as the background for the Wild Speculation podcast website and the Wild Speculation social media pages. I would also like to thank my wife, Lindsay, who reads all of these stories before anyone else and is not afraid to tell me when it's not working. Finally, I'd like to thank all of you for coming on this journey through these wonderful worlds of speculative fiction with me. I hope you will join me again. This has been Wild Speculation. Until next season, let your imagination run wild.